Good morning. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and Alex can get you one. I saw a bunch of, there's a couple here. Okay. Well, we're continuing our series entitled This Beautiful Mess, talking about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is among us, how it's breaking through and it is showing up in our world in our lives and what that looks like and as we've been talking about this we've we're trying to be aware of what god is doing and our part in it so that we don't think of the work of god or the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god as something that is in the distant future that it is actually something that shows up here and now And as we've been talking about that, we've covered a number of aspects of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. We've talked about the character of the kingdom as displayed in the Beatitudes. We've talked about how the conduct of the kingdom shown up in children. Last week, we talked about investing in the kingdom, storing up treasures in heaven and not to store up our treasures on earth. And I want to kind of jump off of what we talked about last week as we move forward today. There was a passage that I didn't share that I wanted to share and and forgot, and that's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I wanted to make clear that when we talked about investing in the kingdom God never says don't work or don't try and get ahead or don't try and prosper yourself. He says don't place your faith in uncertainty, which is in the riches that we talked about last week. But that everything that we have can be used towards the kingdom of God and the things that God is doing. And so I wanted to talk about that as we look at these things that are a part of the kingdom, one of the things that we haven't really discussed is how do you get into this kingdom? If the kingdom's all around, what do you have to do to become a citizen of the kingdom? What does that look like? And I think a lot of times we have a knowledge of what that looks like, but our actions betray what we actually believe. When I was first coming to faith in Christ. I was a new believer. I was given this little piece of paper. It was a a new believer's study. And it was lesson one. And I went through lesson one and it talked about what it was to be a, a new creation in Christ. And it gave you some scriptures. And it was really easy. They made it so that even if you were dumb like me, you could fill it out and not feel bad. You know, it wasn't a hard test or anything like that, but it was something that was just, what does this passage say? And it's like, well, it says this. Oh, yeah, it says this. You know, it was real easy to go through, and it was good stuff. 
But I finished lesson one and then I was given a lesson two. And lesson two was more of the same thing, just talking more about what this was, this faith in Christ. And after lesson two, I was given a lesson three. And it's probably me, but I'm not real good with lessons. After lesson three, I was like, how many of these do I get? Because I'm kind of tired of lessons already. And I had this understanding that what I did is I came in at this base level. I was a beginning. I was just beginning to understand about this faith. And maybe after six, seven of these lessons, I would go into the intermediate place of faith. I would become more aware, more knowledgeable, more a part of this work of God. And then after that, maybe I would actually start going to involve myself with different areas. And so I started going into ministry schools where different pastors would come and speak about ministry and what it was to be involved with ministry. And so that's a little bit higher on the the ladder. That's kind of climbing up this level. And that's what I kind of saw this faith in Jesus as levels. You start off as a beginning level and then you get more involved, learn more, become more grown up and you go to a more advanced level and then start working at a church. I must be up there on the levels because now I'm a pastor. So I got to be higher on the level. And the whole idea is when do you arrive spiritually? When do you climb the levels high enough to say, I'm there, I'm in. And we don't think like that, but a lot of times we act like that. We think that we have to learn more, grow more, pray more, do more devotions, go to more Bible studies, get involved, serve more, give more, all these things about giving, doing, so that we can become more of a Christian. And eventually, you'll be like super Christian. When you pray, God says, oh yeah, here you go. I never have doubts. I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I'm on that solid plateau, no problems. And it becomes like an assembly line where we start structuring our lives how to live this faith. This is what you do. And it'll vary to some degree, but it might be, well, I get up in the morning and I have a devotion, or I get up in the morning and I pray, or it might be on Sundays I get up and I go to church, or it might be on Thursdays I, I go to church, or I go to church on Sundays and on Thursdays. And so we start developing, this is what I do. I, I take my time, I do this, this is how I live my Christian life. And it becomes this assembly line that we start working our way through. And, and The problem with this mentality, this production, this assembly line mentality is it's a lot of work and it never gives us what we are really longing for. You see, because the assembly line is always being interrupted by life. The things that happen to us or the things that we do or the things that we fail to do the recognition of those areas where our lives aren't good. And so what we do is we try and 
put more things in our assembly line so that we can stop these bad things from happening. Oh no, you know, I'm having these thoughts. You know, I better stop this. I better do more of this because if I, I read more of this, then I won't think more of that. And if I pray more like this, maybe I won't act more like this. And if I, and we start having this, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to climb, I've got to climb so that I can be embraced by this kingdom. And it's very frustrating or it can be, and it can be very condemning because I never quite am good enough. And it's very exhausting. And I know pastors fall into this big time. At least I know I have since I've kind of taken on this title. There'll be times where I'm, I'm here on a Sunday morning and it's a low turnout and I'm thinking, oh God, what did I do? What did I say last week that made no one want to come back? And I'll go home and I'll be thinking about what I said. Oh, did I say that? Oh, I said that. I remember one time, I, I'm not going to say what I said because <laughs> I said it. I remember one time I said this and it came out of my mouth and I was like, oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> and I went home and sure enough, I had about three people said, you know, I really didn't like it when you said this. Like, yeah, we'll see if we have a church next week, you know, and I just start fretting because I'm thinking, well, it's about how I perform. And if I do well, then they're going to come back. And if I say things well and, and God blesses it, then they're going to give and we'll survive. And every now and then, Gil will send me a text, say, FYI, we have $3.27 in the bank. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God, we're going to die, you know. <laughs> and it becomes performance. It becomes, oh, what do I have to do instead of, of actually being able to participate and, and just be involved with what God is doing. In Rick McKinley's book, This Beautiful Mess, he talks about a friend of his named Clint who was in the Bahamas. Clint was a pastor, and for about 11 years, he was on this production line. And his church was big, successful, moving, doing a lot of great things. Clint was as busy as a busy could be, serving, doing, working. One day he gets a knock on his door and it's the car wash boy from across the way. About 17-year-old kid, dropped out of school probably in sixth grade so that he could start doing this car wash thing. And he comes in and goes, hey, Pastor Clint, can I talk to you? Clint thinks, yeah, I'll talk to the car wash boy. You know, I, I, I'm good with that. I'll give him some of my time. And the car wash boy says, yeah, Pastor Clint, God told me that he had something he wanted me to tell you. And Clint's going, oh, this will be great. I'm going to hear from the car wash boy what God has. And so he goes, well, it's okay. I'm going to, you know, give my time to the car wash boy. I'll listen. Maybe I can help him out in some way. So he goes, yeah. Hey, Pastor Clint, do you know the difference between levels and dimensions? And Clint goes, no, not really. And he tries to explain to him, and he's still not catching. And the guy says, well, it's okay, Pastor Clint. God told me that you will understand eventually. I says, okay, well, that's nice. And then he goes on and he says, well, Pastor Clint, God wanted me to tell you that you can't build another level on the kingdom of God and that you can't move forward until you change 
where you're at in your heart. And then he went point by point and just boom, 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 started nailing him on things that were going on in his heart. Not moral failures, but lack of trust, a lack of relationship with God, no intimacy in his relationship with God. And he nailed him on all these areas where he was lacking relationally with God. And Clint just sits back and he says, instead of having this time with the car wash boy, God, you sold me out to the car wash boy. And he ends, he goes, Pastor Clint, does that make any sense to you? I was like, yeah, it does. He goes, that's good, because it didn't make any sense to me, but when God tells me to tell someone something, I got to tell them something. He goes, bye, Pastor Clint, and he walks out. And Clint is just shell-shocked. He picks up the phone. He calls the leaders, the eldership of the church, and he says, I'm not speaking Sunday, and I don't know when I'm going to speak again. I need to get some things in line. And he took the next two months off just sorting through this idea of I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, but there's nothing there. And I think a lot of times we fall into this place where we think the kingdom of God can be achieved by the things that we do. And it's not the case. The production life can keep you busy. It can even make you feel secure because it's consistent. This is what I do. This is what I do. I'm good with God. This is how I act. This is the actions I take. I'm good with God. And it's that kind of mentality that we just get locked into. And it can keep us busy. It can help us feel safe. But it can't bring us into the kingdom. We can't produce the kingdom of God. We are not building the kingdom of God. And we can't produce things that reproduce. And the kingdom is alive. It's dynamic. When you build a house or you, you start with this house, and yeah, I'm going to build a two-bedroom house, 1,300 square feet. But we're going to water it, and in a couple of years, it's going to grow an extra room. And in four years, we hope to have a four-bedroom house if we water it right. And it doesn't work that way. You build the house, that's all it is. It's stagnant, it's structured. Your production only does so much because it's not alive. And what we need to do is connect to life. The world gives us our status based on the things that we do. If I go to a party and someone comes up to me, no one ever asks me, Sam, who are you? That's just not a question most people would ask. What they ask, they ask, what do you do? I tell them I'm a dog trainer. If I want to talk to them, I tell them I'm a pastor, the conversation ends right there. <laughs> if I tell them I'm a dog trainer, oh, I've got a dog, and then I'm the best friends. But what people do is they ask, what do you do? Why? Because 
What we do is in this world associated with who we are. That's our identity. It's put in with the things that you do. And what we tend to do is take that mentality and bring it over into this life with Christ. And now it becomes who I am is what I do. And there's a trap in that. Jesus enters in and what he wants to do is blow up the production line. He wants to destroy it. He wants to wreck it. He wants to turn it over. And think about that. No, this is my production line. This is how I live. And he knocks it over and goes, no, it's not good enough. We don't live like that. That's not how things are done here in the kingdom. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to really focus on verses 13 and 14, but we're going to start at verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For, and this is kind of summing up all these things that we just read, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Does anything in these words sound like a production line? Anything in these words sound like it's a matter of what we do to receive? I mean, as we start looking just... Some of the verbs that are here. I think they're verbs. Um, I hope they're verbs. Uh, verse 12, he says, has qualified you. Verse 13, he has rescued us and brought us in to the kingdom. You see, you can't build the kingdom of heaven. You are brought into it. You are rescued into it. You are given it as an inheritance. This is something that God does for you. It's not something that you earn. It's not something you work to achieve. It's not something you get good enough so you can finally be a part of it. It is something that God imparts to you as you put your faith in the son he loves, in Jesus. It's his kingdom. And so what God is doing is bringing us then to this place. You, you can't produce it, but you can be a part of it. We are dependent on what he has to give, not what we can produce for ourselves. This changes everything. 
if we would understand this, and that's why Paul is saying we're writing these things, we're continually asking you, God, to fill you with these things, of understanding what? That you would understand these things, that he's rescued you, that he's redeemed you, that he's forgiven you, that he has accepted you as part of the kingdom. And we spend so much time trying to deserve it. Trying to make ourselves good enough for it. Trying to live so that we can let people know, I'm a part of this kingdom, see what I do, instead of it being just who we are. What would happen if you really just saw yourself as being in the kingdom, his child, and you have the inheritance that he gives you. What would happen if you started living our lives like that was just the way it was? How would it change the way you approach things, the way you do things? It's the relational aspect that takes place. I don't wake up in the morning and wonder, what do I have to do to be married to Kareem? I'm married. I don't have to wake up and think, okay, what do I have to do to stay married to Kareem? I better say the right things. Good morning, honey. You look beautiful, even without the makeup. (laughs) And I know your breath will be much better later on. I'm in trouble now. That's one of those things I said. Ah, what did I just say? <laughs> See, I don't have to say the right things to be married or stay married to her. I'm married to her. And, and so I, I don't have to get up. Good morning, hun. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. I'm off to work now. Me too. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. It's not structured that I feel... Okay, yes, check, check, check. Here's your flower, check, okay. Here's a kiss, okay. All right, bye. I got it all down. No, it's dynamic. Every morning is different. Depends on the day, depends on the night before, depends on a lot of things. Every day is new. Adventure. Because it's a relationship. And if I were to treat it other than, it would be strained and it would deteriorate. And that's exactly what happens in our relationship with Christ. We are trying to accomplish and appease ourselves by the things that we do, that we distance ourselves in the relationship of who we are. He has redeemed you. He has forgiven you. He has rescued you. He has brought you in. It's something you receive. The kingdom doesn't need us to build it. It's already here. We just get to partake of it and be part of it. We show up as we receive him and find ourselves now a part of the kingdom of God. And we live our lives accordingly. And see what this is is it's a beautiful opportunity for us to actually connect with the God we believe in. To 
hear from him like the car wash boy, to do the things that he calls us to do, to live in the life he calls us to live. And it's not structured. In fact, it can change in the things he would want you to do. It just depends on what he's leading and where you're at. I don't know how many jobs I've had in the last 20 years. I haven't had a career in one thing. I've gone from construction to salesman to dog trainer, pastor. It depends on where life is at and what needs to happen to move things forward. My life and faith is the same thing. It's not like I just stuck in doing one thing. I hear I do. I hear I do. I hear I'm part. I'm having a relationship with the living God who has brought me in to his kingdom. And he says, hey, the kingdom needs some things I want to accomplish over here. Then I get to go and be a part of those things over here. And hey, I want the, the kingdom to be built up and, and established over here. And I get to go and be a part of what God is doing over here. And it comes in that relational aspect. But I don't have to earn it. I just get to be part of it. And I don't know all of what's going on in, in your thought process about what it is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, what it means. But what it doesn't mean is you having to do certain things to fulfill certain obligations so that God will love you. It doesn't mean that you have to get on that conveyor belt and you have to work and work and work, and then God accepts you. What it means is God has invited you to be a part of it. You say, I want to, and there you are. You get to be part of what he is doing, and what he has done. John tells us, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is a work that God has done. By grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast, Ephesians tells us. And so what has happened here is God has opened the door, said, would you like to be a part of the kingdom? Jesus has given himself for you. He has paid the penalty of our sin, and now you have access to the kingdom of God if you want it. And so we come to the Lord and we have faith in him and he speaks to us and directs our lives. The assembly line is destroyed. The sweatshop has been torn down. There is now this freedom to live for God and not a bondage to serve. There is not an obligation to fulfill, too, too many syllables in there, an obligation to fulfill but there is a relationship to enjoy. Are you enjoying your relationship with God? Or has this faith become a burden? Is this an obligation to you? Oh, I've got to get up and go to church. Oh, I didn't read my Bible. Oh, I didn't pray. I better pray twice. 
make up for yesterday. Is that how you're living this life in the kingdom? There's a difference between receiving and earning. Have you received what God has given? Are you still trying to earn it? And what would happen if the car wash boy came to you and said, God wants me to tell you something. Do you know the difference between levels and dimensions? Do you know what it means to try and work your way in as opposed to just living in? What would he expose in your heart? What are the areas where you're trying to build, you're trying to produce? Where do you need to stop your work and receive what God has already done? And where would a living and dynamic relationship with the creator of the universe take you? What would your life begin to do? How would fruit show up in your life? How would these things begin to manifest themselves in you, the things that he had mentioned in Colossians? How would your life living worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way look? Bearing fruit. How do you bear fruit? See, for a tree to bear fruit, it has to be, there's a lot of components to that. The tree has to be connected to the ground. There has to be sunlight. There has to be water. You know, if you want an orange tree, and you say, you know, I like orange trees, but I just don't like the dirt. I'm going to take my orange tree, I'm going to put it in the garage. No dirt, just set it there. It's going to die. It needs the dirt. Well, I don't like all the birds crapping on my orange tree. I did it again. (laughs) So I'm going to keep them off of it. No, it has to be connected to the ground. It has to be in the sunlight. It has to have these things happening around it, involved in these things, for the fruit to come out. Our lives are like that. We bear fruit not because we produce it. We bear fruit because we're connected to the God who helps us to yield it. We're strengthened in all power according to His glorious might. He's the one who's able to give us endurance and patience, gives us joyful thanks. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance. Are you sharing in the inheritance? How is your life producing fruit? What is the king doing in your life? 
Are you producing or are you receiving? Are you just serving or are you living? And you might actually do the same, some of the same things, but it makes a big difference where you're doing it from. We've been called to freedom. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. In this kingdom, it is freedom. We are brought in. We are redeemed. We are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Don't get trapped on an assembly line that calls itself Christianity. Don't get trapped in working to try and make God like you more. To get more blessings from God, I better do this. There is nothing more you can do to get the blessings of God. Nothing. Just receive them. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You are loved. You've been brought in to the kingdom of the Son whom He loves. And so we can enjoy a kingdom life. And all that can mean right now, without doing a single thing, except receiving what he has done. Let's pray. Father, there are so many times in my life where I have been trapped in the assembly line, the production. I have lived a life for many years trying to be good enough, trying to do enough so that I could climb that level, so that I could be more spiritual, so I can arrive at some place. And God, I can think back in my own life of when there was an awakening and an understanding that you're doing a lot, but you're really not enjoying this relationship. It's all about the production. And Father, there are are so many times where I've had to stop and ask myself, what am I doing? Am I enjoying my relationship with you or am I serving an obligation? Am I in this kingdom or am I trying to build it myself and build my own kingdom? Am I really trusting you as my God? Or do I feel I have to appease you by the things I do to get you to do things my way? Am I trying to manipulate this relationship with you by the things that I do? God, may those things be exposed. May you knock over the conveyor belts. May you blow up the production line. May we... Start fresh. May we bear fruit because we are alive in you. 
because our roots are connected to you, because you are our God and we are your people, because you speak and we listen, because we are moved by you and not by obligation. And may the world around us see that we have this relationship. May it be evident and may it refresh our own souls as we desire you more than anything else. And I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.